We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. Every child deserves a team. That's the belief behind Jigsaw Learning, a proud sponsor of the Bee Podcast Network. And it's why the company, founded by educators Curtis and Lorna Hewson, focuses on ensuring success for all learners through collaborative response an approach in which every child is supported by a team. Through customized professional learning that incorporates workshops, leadership development, online learning opportunities, and more, Jigsaw Learning can guide you every step of the way to create a plan to maximize the collective capacity in your schools. Learn more at jigsawlearning.ca. Everybody talks about the need for empathy and how important it is. But oftentimes, when we try to be empathetic, we find that we just end up being sympathetic. Now, you might be saying, what's the difference between sympathy and empathy? Well, you've come to the right place. How you doing, everybody? Dr. Jones here with another episode of Seeing to Lead. And this week's episode features Brian Carpenter. He's all the way up in British Columbia, Canada, and he has a lot to say about the difference between empathy and sympathy. You see, the reason he has a lot to say is because he teaches the design process, and the design process starts with empathy, and that's what separates it from the scientific method. So during our conversation, we have a lot to say about reflection, connection, and authenticity as it relates to his podcast and his teaching of other people. And when we're talking about it and we get to all these different areas, we hit on something that many of us talk about, many of us have heard, but oftentimes miss seeing around our schools. And that word is grace. So even if you're trying to be empathetic and you're falling short and hitting sympathetic, as long as you show grace, you can help people improve and truly have the best experience possible. Brian Carpenter in this conversation brings forward a fresh voice and really shows us through his work what it's like to be authentic, reflect on our work so that we can improve and truly know ourselves. You're going to really enjoy this conversation. I guarantee it. But don't just take my word for it. Let's get to getting better and have a listen to Brian Carpenter on seeing to lead. The only way to lead somebody is to see them. Be aware that they are there. Be aware that they're interested in following you, right? You know, there, we can talk all about leadership styles and different types from, you know, autocratic to democratic to laissez-faire. And I went and looked these up so I would have these words, right? But like, and there's there's five leadership styles. There's 13 leadership styles, 25 leadership styles, right? But at the end of the day, if the people that are following you don't feel safe and cared for, then they're doing it out of obligation as opposed to a relationship driving them, right? 
Dr. Chris Jones here, and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Brian Carpenter is an online and blended learning teacher in Abbotsford, British Columbia, Canada. Brian just entered his 15th year of teaching. Being a former research scientist, Brian teaches chemistry and math online and digital literacy and media design with students in his building two days a week. Brian served as a helping teacher for technology in his district, which really enhanced his game in leadership and digital tools. Brian is the host of Fresh Air at Five podcast. He's a husband and the proud dad of three. Brian has been an elder in his church community for a number of years and department head leader in his school. He's creative and a problem solver. Brian has been a leader since his high school youth group days. Brian is a man of many hobbies. He's a fly fisherman, outdoor enthusiast. He enjoys food and traveling locally. In case you couldn't guess, Brian is rarely bored. And I'm really excited to welcome Brian to the podcast today because we have a couple things in common as far as hobbies, being outdoor and especially enjoying food part. But uh, I first heard of him on his Fresh Air at Five podcast. And so I'm really excited to talk to him and some of the great ideas he has concerning education. So, Brian, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Chris, for having me. It's great to be here. And I've, uh, you know, been a listener of your podcast for a short time, you know, about 10 episodes or so. But uh, it's great to be able to connect and to share my journey with your listeners. This is going to be fantastic. And for those of you who don't know, my listeners who don't know, they really need to check out your podcast, Fresh Air at Five. And one of the ways they could get into that is by listening to your dailies. And I just really like the concept of it and how your podcast is when it comes out. So why don't we start there? Why don't you take a couple minutes and explain about your podcast? All right. So my podcast is an audio, pretty much selfie video audio feed so i take all the i take the vi- the audio out of a daily video that i make and my recording studio for that is pretty fancy it's got running shoes pair of earbuds my iphone and i'm walking around the street in my neighborhood so like i'm serious it's pretty low budget like low budget you know you hear cars in the background that i don't cut out you hear you know dogs barking i've only got chased by an animal i think one time in the few year two three years that i've been doing it but i get out in the morning and it's called Fresh Air at 5 because I'm walking on my in my neighborhood before 5 a.m. every morning. Okay, almost every morning. In the summer, it's a lot easier when the weather's nice. But when it gets nasty in the winter and we've got rain most of the time and sometimes snow here, I, I chicken out and I stay home. But get out in the morning, get some exercise for myself. I listen to one or two educational podcasts and they range between, you know, ed tech, educational technology to content like seeing to lead, you know, teacher stories, teachers on fire, different things like that. I listen to, to grow myself as a better teacher and take in, you know, ideas that people are sharing. And then what's important for me is, is reflecting on that. And I, 
was like, okay, how do I remember what I've listened to? I can go into my podcatcher and I can go, oh, it's been played and I can remember that I listened to it. But if I can record something, and it all started off with me doing a Twitter post saying, I listened to Seeing the Lead on this day, and here's the title of it, and you should listen to this podcast. You know, it's like, it was a graphic that I put up. But then I learned about selfie videos. And then that leads into having like content that's more dynamic. Selfie video allows me two minutes and 20 seconds of a whole lot of words that I could not put on a graphic. It would have to be like 0.5 point on a really big sheet of paper for me to get all that on there. But you know, so like the point is that I'm connect, I'm able to reflect and then I connect with the past content creators like Chris so that Chris knows that I've listened and I post it on Twitter. I tag Chris on Twitter. I mentioned his podcast, the number, and that people need to go listen to this podcast that I just listened to. And, you know, here's why. This is how it's connected to my life. And so, yeah, I've been doing this now. This is, I'm in my 105th episode that's coming out at midnight tonight. I started two years ago and uh, I've been doing the audio, the video part for about a better part of a year before that. And yeah, it's just really changed how I listen to podcasts because I know that there's a content creator that's out there that goes, you know what, he's going to see his name on Twitter and go, somebody listen. Because, you know, (laughs) the podcast world, unless you're a professional development person that is out there at conferences and this is part of your marketing or whatever, it's a pretty, you know, you don't, unless you're getting feedback, you don't know, right? And so this is a way for me to reach out and make connections and grow my PLN. So, you know, there's selfishness in there that I now am connected with Chris that I wouldn't have been had I not listened to his podcast. And how did I hear about that? Somebody mentioned his podcast or I heard you on somebody's podcast and now I'm listening and I tell all my people to listen to your podcast and you're going to tell people to listen to my podcast. And it's just, it's all the network that happens. No, it's fantastic. I, you know, and the whole thing you said about being selfish, at least for me and the people that I know and the circle that I'm in, podcasting is a selfish game because of what I learned from it. And we had said this before the show, it's not about the numbers, it's about what I can learn from it and the idea of putting it out there. So... You know, something I really love about your podcast, and, you know, the more I talk to you and hear about you, it's who you are, is that authentic beast. It's honest. You're who you are, and there there aren't any airs about it. And when I think about education, and I think about the need for authenticity in education, combined with what you mentioned, two very important things, that reflection piece and that connect piece, how can we get that into education larger scale? Or what kind of role can those things play in education to improve our educational system? So connection and reflection. And authenticity. Right, right. Well, I share the fact that I've got a podcast that isn't perfect with my students. You know, I talk about what my journey is. And I'm like, guys, I'm, I've put this out there and I spend very little time making it look pretty. I put a cover on it. I put a graphic on it. But it is what I am and who I am. And, I, you know, I don't have a script when I'm walking down the street. I don't have a second iPhone so I can look at what the show number was, you know. Like, I make mistakes. Go, I think it was episode 85. No, maybe it was 85. I don't know. But it'll be right in the tweet. And it'll be right in the podcast, you know. And so I don't go and do a lot of post-production stuff. But in doing so, I talk to my students about thinking about what you put out there at the very outset, right? So, like, being intentional about doing the best you can right away, as opposed to, oh, I'm going to get three retries on this. I'll do it perfect the third time, right? Like having that 
desire to be excellent at the outset is important and talking about that. So, you know, that's partly the connecting going, okay, well, this guy's a human being, this teacher is a human being, and he's not hiding the fact that he's got a podcast. He's not hiding hiding the fact that he's got a YouTube channel where I make outdoor adventure, like our outdoor adventure videos, like we go snowshoeing and it's raw footage. I am not fixing it up a whole lot to tell a story, right? Like I don't have fancy cameras. It's what it is. And it's me documenting our journey, putting music to it. And my friends and family, they love it. You know, and my students are like, you have a YouTube channel? And it's just, <laughs> you know, like, so it's the connection is about being real with who I am in front of my students, you know, like, I don't tell them all this stuff that my wife and I had a fight last night, like, we're not doing that, right. But it's about sharing who Carpenter is, and what makes me passionate and excited. And how does that relate to what you do in class, right? Like, I've got the privilege of teaching media design to my students. So I'm not bound to a curriculum that has, you know, the ministry says thou shalt teach the you know, the revolution that happened in this century. And you got to get all these, like, I'm not about that, right? I'm teaching the design process, which, well, that's a, that's a big task. But part of it is about that empathy at the outset and about being authentic and being just who you are, making it look nice if you can and not settling for just, this is just as good as it's going to get, but I can make improvements on that. So every podcast that I do is me working on improving listening for the details, thinking about what I'm going to say so that it comes out a little bit better. Perfect. You know, I when you talk about that whole connection piece and being intentional from the start about excellence and doing the absolute best you can, sometimes that leads to perfectionism. And the idea of I, I need to be a perfectionist and it causes some stops instead of starts. How can leaders encourage not just their teachers, but I consider teachers leaders as well. How can teachers encourage their students to not get bogged down in that perfectionism? We're asking for the best right off the first try, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of waiting. Mm-hmm. Yes. How do we get that best without getting the best, if you follow what I'm saying? Right. How do we get excellent without getting perfect? Uh, see, that's why you're a guest on the show, because you just put it in such a better way than I did. So uh, it's not my original idea. I got this idea from Tim Cavey on Teachers on Fire. He's got a video on his channel called Shipped is Better Than Perfect. And it's he addresses perfectionism. And I've been one that hasn't been hung up on being perfect. I struggled in school. Like I struggled. Like it was not like a C minus student, but I did, I got B's, right? I wasn't an A student going through high school. English was a real struggle. Science and math came easy for me. And then I got into university. I had to really work on myself about being better tomorrow than I was today and how I approach studying, how I do these things and having a growth mindset and calling perfectionism what it is. Like it's a problem. Like I talked to my students about this going, I don't want perfect work. I want the best that you can do. And we're here and we're school's a place to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes out in the world as you leave here. So if you can't figure out how to get up when you fall down at school and there's someone that's expecting excellence from you, you know, like you're going to get eaten alive when you get out. So calling so, it what it is. Calling it what it is. So as a leader in front of my staff, calling it what it is and pointing it out, And then there's also that reflection piece. Yes. And 
Reflection is interesting because, or I've always found it interesting because for you, when you talk about your podcast, that reflection piece, that happens right after, and it's not a long process, it's a short process. Oftentimes, people get bogged down in the idea of, I have to reflect, oh, I've got to open up my journal, and I've got to write four pages, and so <laughs> forth. How yeah. do, how can leaders encourage that reflection process that can be short bursts for the teachers they serve and then, you know, additionally, the students that the teachers serve? Yeah, that journal, you know, that can be a burden, right? It's like, oh, I better get a journal entry in today, right? You know, and how do you get that journal entry in when you are not a writer, you don't like the writing process? Well, then I'm a bad teacher because I don't like the writing process. And I'm less than a perfect teacher now, right? Seriously, you can pick up your phone and just talk to your phone, you know, make a voice memo, get a Google Keep document so that it's no one else is going to see it, you know, start a Google Doc, there's dictate in there. So you can voice type, you know, and I do a lot of voice typing, because I can speak faster, and it can listen to me faster than I can type the words. And so I can get my thoughts out quickly. So I would encourage people to have and figure out a mechanism that you can record your reflections soon after the event has happened so that you can you're still in that painful moment when it didn't go good and you like i don't like that right that's when you should reflect right i think you can go back and refine those reflections as a reflection on the reflections but i think it's important in the moment to when the event has just happened you've run that marathon not to reflect on how you felt at mile 10 the day later, I would say, get at it right away while it's still fresh, while you're exhausted, just even get some thoughts out because that emotion of in that very moment is really important. You know, I, ha I have my students in my class do a 10 minute design challenge where they got to make a banner for the Google classroom. And at the end of class, we're going to vote and we're going to put somebody's banner on the screen. Right. So I got 18 students that are ferociously in 10 minutes designing. They're making. Then I go, okay, put it into the Google slide. And okay. And who likes slide number one? And they all put in a Google form and I collect their responses and I have them look at it and vote. And then at the end of class, boom, it's up there. Right. Right. And so before that's done, the exit ticket for that class, open the Google form. And I want you to tell me how you felt in those 10 minutes when I asked you to do what that thing, right? And like, they're like, oh, I didn't like that. You know, creativity shouldn't have a time limit. You know, you know, like it made me feel really uncomfortable at that moment. And I'm like, that's exactly the kind of stuff we need to be able to address because real life expects you to deal with it. And if you can't understand yourself and how you respond to situations, you can't improve. Just for everybody that, needs to hear this again, because that's so important what you just said. If you can't understand yourself, you can't improve. Right. That's just super powerful. So you talked about, you mentioned empathy and you mentioned design process, and I know that you like the design process, but let's go there a little bit. Let's talk about the design process and how important that is just in general in, in schooling and in education. And I know that when I had spoken to you or listened to something you wrote down earlier, you mentioned that you're passionate about empathy and the design process. So is that though, if you could explain that a little bit and how that is something you're passionate about in education? 
The design process, if you go and type in design process and look at the images, there's graphics and things like that. And the first stage of one of them is empathize, then define, ideate, prototype, and test. And there's arrows going back and forth between these five things that looks like a straight line, but it's far from a straight line. But at the very outset of the design process is the idea of empathy. And uh, when I started teaching media design, it was expected of me that I would teach the design process. Well, I come from a background as a scientist where we have the scientific method. And the scientific method is a nice program for being able to do science. But what's missing, in my opinion, from the scientific method is the empathy part, right? Like you're, you solve problems using science and somebody else tells you what the problem is. And, you know, there's, you know, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma as a condition, right? The oncologists need to solve this problem. So they come to the chemist and say, we need a compound that we can use to do chemotherapy and this thing. So the scientific method, in my thought, is a way of doing science but it's not about the holistic, complete picture of what the design process does. It's all in there, but the design process includes empathy at the outset. When I started teaching this, I was like freaked out going, empathy, how do I teach empathy? How do I teach people to care about what other people think, right? Like, you know, how do I relate to someone that I am going to make a sticker for? You know, you sit down and you have a conversation with them about that right? You have a human connection about whatever their problem is so that you can come up with some ideas and there's feedback loops and all these things. And it's about having a conversation in design. So yes, does that <laughs> I can't keep going for a while? <laughs> no, you, I was going to say you start going, you're doing a good job of just keeping it simple for folks, maybe like myself that work on that. Supporting your teachers and students seems to be a struggle. They just don't seem to be engaged. You wish they would take more responsibility for their learning and culture of the building, but they just don't seem to be empowered enough to do it. So my question is, have you checked out the book Seeing to Lead yet? It's all about creating a true educational experience where learning, growth, leadership, and community take center stage. Full of strategies and resources, Seeing to Lead is about attaining that goal by employing a model that supports, engages, and empowers all individuals to become leaders themselves. Pick up a copy today at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com. Remember, you don't become a leader and then decide you need to support and recognize others more than yourself. It is the moment you realize it's about supporting and recognizing others that you become a leader. Seeingtolead.com. But empathy is such an important thing, and I think sometimes misunderstood and confused too much with sympathy. And so how do leaders get to teachers and teachers get to students and help them understand that there's the difference between empathy and sympathy? Because they are two very different things with very different outcomes. They are. <laughs> they are. All right. Sympathy. Feelings of pity and sorrow for someone else's misfortune comes out of a Google search just now. Okay. So it's like yeah. feelings of sorrow, right? Like yeah. feeling badly for someone. Whereas empathy, to me, doesn't have that same thing. It has to be, you have to understand what the person's feeling, but you don't have to be like sad for the person. I mean, that's sympathy in my thought. 
Whereas empathy is going, yeah, they've got an issue with the fact that they can't walk. So I need to make a walker for them or some way of helping them with mobility. But it's not about going, oh, you know, Mrs. Smith, she's so sad. And I'm so sad because of that, right? Like, it's not like that, I don't think. I think it's about understanding their situation and putting yourself in their shoes so that you can kind of walk for, with them for a couple of days to go, oh, I see what the problem is. And now I can define the problem to move forward, right? So mm -hmm. teaching that empathy is not about, you know, it, there's compassion involved, there, but there's not it's different than sympathy. Like it's a, there's a subtle difference, but I, you know, I don't know if I'm doing a good job of explaining I think that. You're doing a great job talking. <laughs> that, hey, look, you know, you talk authentic and I'm about being authentic too. And we're talking through something. I mean, so Brene Brown does, yeah. it does a really good job. And I believe it's in Dare to Lead where she's talking about sympathy and empathy and going back and forth. But when you're talking about, I like the examples you use. So Empathy is seeing somebody that can't walk or struggles with their mobility and designing and understanding that and feeling that. And so designing a walker or some such device to help them with their mobility so yes. that they can be mobile. But I think to myself, without feeling bad for them, right, which is now starting to get to that thin line, bumping up to that thin line. I think to myself about students in classrooms. And inevitably, you can look anywhere on posts. You see all kinds of different posts. That sometimes exaggerate, sometimes don't. But you don't know what a student has gone through the night before or that morning before they come into school. Mm -hmm. And uh, so students missed expectations. So I guess how do leaders and other teachers help each other empathize with that student when they've missed expectations and on whatever you're talking about, whether it's homework, classwork, test study, whatever, attendance, instead of sympathizing for the bad situation that they're living in at home? And where does that line hit? Where do you cross it? Or not? With empathy, I think we need to listen to where the student's coming from and understand that life, there's a whole lot of life that happens outside of school. But the fact that they're coming to school, I think we still need to keep them and hold them to a standard. But yes, with grace. There's grace involved in that, right? Like your attendance is an issue. Why is your attendance an issue? You are now suspended. That is not going to solve that attendance issue at all if you don't understand the attendance issue, right? What's going on at home? Well, am I, I take the bus and there's not a scheduled bus unless the one that comes two hours before school. So I'm going to be 10 minutes late so I don't have to leave my house three hours ago, right? And having grace in that and and it's not, a, there's equity, there's empathy, or there's equality and equity and fairness and all that kind of stuff. And we got to be reasonable. Like we have to have our rules, but there's got to be reasonability. And if we don't have reasonability, then students are going to lose. They're going to be, they're not going to fit the mold. And even in me as a teacher, I am not going to cut it, you know? So I'm thankful for those leaders that are around me that give me grace to be myself and to make mistakes and take my kids on a journey that, isn't perfect, but at the end of the day, we get the job done, right? Fantastic. You know, it's funny. I write notes as I talk to people that come on here because much like that reflection piece needing to be timely that you talked about, a struggle for me in my life. So I listening to podcasts, driving around, doing this, doing that. And I use the phone apps and that was going to be my cure all is that I'd hear something and man, I'd whip that phone app out. I'd say something to myself real quick, a voice note or type down a couple of words. Then I wouldn't go back to it. And so then I go back to those couple of words that I wrote down or looked at that I was going to do something larger with. Yep. And I'd scratch my head saying, what's that all about? So writing notes while you're talking, 
I have like a word wall with arrows going all over the place <laughs> of all the different things you're talking about. You're talking about empathy, grace, design, reflection, connection, all of those things. And you're saying a lot of good things that I think you did tie up with grace when we're talking about the difference between empathy and sympathy. Okay. But so in your, now that I've thrown all those words out there, in your perfect world, in, in Brian Carpenter's perfect world, I walk into your perfect school What's it look like? What does it feel like? What's going on with students? What's going on with teachers? School should be, and I thought about this a bit before, school should be a place of welcoming and safety for students and teachers, a place that they want to go and a place where everybody knows your name. You know, like Boston, there's cheers there, right? I was like, just going to say. I know, that's why I wrote that down. That's why I wrote that down, Chris, because it's, you know, I didn't know I didn't know you're from Boston before I, I wrote that. But I'm like, well, hey, everybody knows cheers. And it's like, you go places where people know who you are, right? Like your podcast is called Seeing to Lead. The only way to lead somebody is to see them. Be aware that they are there. Be aware that they're interested in following you, right? You know, we can talk all about leadership styles and different types from, you know, autocratic to democratic to laissez-faire. And I went and looked these up so I would have these words, right? But like, and there's five leadership styles. There's 13 leadership styles, 25 leadership styles, right? But at the end of the day, if the people that are following you don't feel safe, and cared for, then they're doing it out of obligation as opposed to a relationship driving them, right? Like we are obliged to go to school. It's something that we got to do. And if teachers can make that obligation a better thing than being an obligation of compliance, I can't remember who I listened to. It was a couple of weeks ago, but they were talking about levels of non-compliance, compliance, engagement, and one other thing that goes on top of that, where it's like you get into flow and like you're so engaged that like, leave me alone. Like I'm in this thing, right? Like I'm doing this one thing. And, you know, I look at a lot of compliance and non-compliance in my students and they make a graphic because Carpenter said they have to make a graphic and they don't care. And then I got those that don't even make the graphic. I'm like, this is not a hard class. Like I open the tool. I'm not using Photoshop. I'm using Adobe Creative Cloud Express, you know, and it's not hard. I just need you to do something, you know? And so there's the compliance issue. And, but then, you know, you get those that are like, oh, this is cool. And I'm going to get a mark and, you know, I'm getting paid for making this graphic and there's that. Right. And then I got students that go home and they make stuff on their own and come back and go, Mr. Carpenter, look what I made. I made this, you know, like using the tools you taught me. And I'm going, okay, now we've arrived, right? Like now we're passionate about graphic design and taking the stuff that you're learning in class and you're actually using it beyond, right? And so whatever that is, socials, math, science, if we can have students see that beyond the walls of your classroom, that's where we're winning. That's where we've got them and engaged and it makes a whole lot of whole lot better than being obliged to go to school. Absolutely. I talk about the idea of I'm not looking for people to do cartwheels. And I always say that I'm a teacher-centered leader, so I say this about teachers, but it, it applies to students as well. I'm not looking for people to do cartwheels coming into school. But if they're sitting there on Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon or even Sunday evening, not saying, oh, God, I got school tomorrow. I got to go to work tomorrow. I'm I'm happy with that. If they just say, hey, yeah, we, you know, I've got work tomorrow or 
heaven forbid, maybe they're saying, oh, cool, school's back tomorrow. I just had a teacher tell me that she was excited for school to start again after break. Mm-hmm. I said, well, okay, you're the exception, but I'll take it. <laughs> you know? So uh, yeah, it's the idea of once you get past that compliance, because compl- compliance is just so much work, isn't it? You get somebody to comply. And as soon as you take your foot off the gas, your hand off the lever or whatever, they stop because they're just not interested in continuing. So if as leaders, we can get those that we serve to not comply, but to actually go so much further and create yep. such better environments. Yep, I agree. I wonder if what you're talking about was focusable when you're talking about a state of flow. Focusable has a thing with Sarah Candela where no, they no. talk about focus. Okay. Yep. Well, as a stab, I figured I'd take at it, but there you go. Look, in, we're getting near the end of the, the end of this episode, and there's two questions I ask every person that comes on this episode. I'm actually pretty excited about hearing your answers. Who, not what, would you be if you were not an educator? All right, I had to read that question carefully that you wrote because who, not what, you know? Yeah. Who would I be? I think I would be bored if I was not a teacher or a leader. I think I'd be bored. Outside of my position as a teacher, I enjoy working with people and teaching them things informally. Like I work with my friends and teach them how to do the things that I like to do. And, you know, informally, one of my favorite things to do is to go fly fishing that we talked about. And I'm sitting out on a lake and there's a dude sitting beside me in his boat. And I watch him and I might be catching fish or maybe I'm not catching fish, but I'm watching him and he seems to be struggling and things aren't working out. I will like... Hey, dude, need some help? Like, I can help you, right? And like, you know, that's the, maybe that's the sympathy kicking in, right? And then I get into empathy and back it up. So I'm not feeling sorry for him the same way. But, you know, I work on trying to figure out what's going on with him and help him out with how to tie his knots, maybe. Or, you know, does he have the flies that he's using? You know, is this casting that maybe like, and I'm not trying to be out there to be the all, you know, the teacher out there all the time. But that's just, like something I enjoy doing, right? I think I'd be sad also if I didn't have the opportunity to teach and lead. So, and bored and sad. That's a good answer, but that's not good. And don't think anybody didn't see what you just did there with sympathy and empathy. So that was pretty slick. That was good. (laughs) You know, you talk about the fly fishing piece. And I know we had said this before the show started. I do a decent amount of fishing with my two boys and my father-in-law. The idea of being out there where the conversations take you that if we go with the idea that we're always teaching something, if we're really educators, we're always looking to teach something, not intrusively or anything like that, but it just comes naturally. I think of all the things my boys have learned, and conversely, I've learned from them while we're sitting out there on that boat in the bay. It's just such a good experience to have something like that, an activity like that, where you can slow the world down a little bit and be very present and listen, learn, and teach. I agree. I agree. And so if you're not being observant in your life outside, you know, like you're not paying attention, you're going to miss things. And I wrote a blog article a number of years ago about, you know, if I go on vacation, I'm restless. I can't just sit there and watch the waves crash on the beach. I got to go do something, right? Because I'm a learner and being a learner, like I, I, I'll learn about the culture around where I am, you know, and I'll learn about, oh, and, you know, I can make that drink that I never knew I could make before, or, you know, I I can go and do this. And so 
you know, like you said at the outset, you know, I don't get bored very much because I don't let myself get bored because I don't like being bored. Yeah. Well, that's there you go for knowing yourself and improving yourself because you know yourself. Yes. The last question I ask all my guests are, you know, we've talked around about a couple of things, a couple of different things this episode, but what's the most important piece of advice you would give to leaders as they work to better support, engage, and empower those they serve? I would say that leaders need to be relational servant leaders as a leadership style with those that they work with. Get down in the dirt and you know, with them and empathize with what they're going through. You know, as I said, the empathy is the first phase of the design process. And I think it has a significant role in everything that we do. And as we, you know, leaders with our, with the people that follow us because they're obliged to follow us or they actually want to follow us. Right. So. Perfect. I know you gave this to me uh, in some of the notes that you gave me and I'll include it in the show notes, but if somebody wants to get in touch with you, Yes. Afterwards to maybe follow up on some of this stuff. What's the best way they can reach out and do that? The best way you can connect with me is on Twitter. And my handle on Twitter is at Brian Carr, B-R-Y-O-N-C-A-R. And that's the best way to get a hold of me. You know, send me a tweet, send me a direct message, and I'd be glad to chat with you. I've also got my podcast handle, Fresher at Five, at Fresher at Five, one word. I do have a website that I infrequently put content onto, briancarpenter.com. And then I've got a YouTube channel that I've got a you know public playlist of my outdoor happenings and things that I enjoy there. So you could go follow along there. Not an Instagram person yet. I'm working on that. That's the growth mindset. You know, I can't say I'm not an Instagram I, yet. It could happen, but I just enjoy connecting with people. And, you know, I like talking about different things. So yeah, reach out. This has been great, Brian. And I have to tell people really check out that podcast, Fresh Air at Five. I really just have to say that again. And no, Brian's not paying me, but I, but seriously, when, whenever you tagged me on that and it came up that you had looked at that, I'm like, what is this? And then I hit it and I watched and I was like, well, that's pretty cool. And then I checked out your podcast and now Honestly, not just saying this, I make sure I catch every one of Brian's episodes as they come out. They're queued up in my podcast app that I listen to, and it's just really good stuff. It's a lot about authenticity. It's a lot about connection and the little pieces that you learn that then direct us in areas that we can go to learn more from more podcasts. So it really is a gem. Right on. We appreciate that. Next one's coming out, like I said, at midnight tonight. So (laughs) I drop it at midnight when I'm sleeping. I'm not sitting up waiting to push the button. So I don't, I schedule. There you go. go. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, Brian, really, thanks for coming on, sharing your thoughts around how to better support and engage and empower those we serve. And I look forward to staying in touch and talking to you again. Great. Thanks, Chris. Really appreciate having me on your show. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Hey, thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you would like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at drcsjones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast today, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Also, one last thing. 
Have you had a chance to pick up my latest five-star rated book yet? Grab your copy of Seeing to Lead anywhere you buy books or at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com, where you can learn more and continue to improve. Now go have a successful week. And now a quick word from our sponsor, Jigsaw Learning. Whether you lead at the school, district, or division level, you're serving a wide array of students, and you know that no one person has all the answers when it comes to meeting each of their needs. That's why Jigsaw Learning helps leaders and their staff and faculty to develop a collaborative approach. Every child deserves a team. And when you put together the pieces of effective collaboration, you can realize that team's full potential. Connection, relationships, and authentic collaboration are at the foundation of Jigsaw Learning's work. Through professional learning presented on-site, online, or a blend of both, Jigsaw's team of experienced learning associates works with you to develop a personalized plan to help collaborative response thrive in your organization. Learn why educators have described working with Jigsaw Learning as powerful, wonderful, and beneficial for all students. Visit jigsawlearning.ca and connect with the team for information. That's jigsawlearning.ca. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E.